Good morning. I'm Cindy Langford, and I became a member of Lafayette First Baptist a long time ago as a teenager. Um, at that time, of course, I was drawn here because of my friends and because of all the fun activities that the youth got to do. Um, I moved away for a few years during college and after college, but Tom and I quickly came back to our roots when we realized that this is where we wanted to raise our children um, in that same loving environment that we had been raised in. Um, as our family and our church have evolved over the past 35 years, Lafayette First has always felt like home and no matter what stage of life we were in. So we're so thankful that we're here. Um, the scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. <clears throat> So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doc doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Cindy. Would y'all give her a hand? <clears throat> We're in a new series today called Your Part Matters. And uh, it's an assimilation, it's a, a series. Our assimilation team um, knew that we needed to convey to you. So um, I just finished my doctorate December 2020. So I've, I've been a doctor for a year and a month. So that's pretty good. Um, part of my doctorate was creating an assimilation team that would help us to have an assimilation plan. Now you may think, what is, what is that? What is an assimilation plan? What does that mean? Assimilation is really just a fancy word that means help people become a part of something, right? And so it is a biblical thing, though the word assimilation is not in the text of Scripture. It is a biblical thing that we are the body of Christ. And as God calls people to become a part of his body, he calls them out of their sin and into life in him through Christ. He makes them a part of the body and equips them and, and gives them a gift to use and to be used for his glory. And so that is something that we as the church need to be doing is helping people discover what their gifts are to use, the, use and serve the body. And when I'm thinking about this, I remember 
the moment that I heard God speak to me about becoming, uh, well, serving him in ministry. I was 16 years old. I was in New Georgia Baptist Church. is the church my family went to um, from the time I was in sixth grade. Uh, my, mom, my mom's dad served as a deacon of another church and an itinerant preacher. And so she went to that church as long as her dad was living. And when her dad passed away, uh, we moved to the church that was nearest our house, and that was New Georgia Baptist. And so God did a lot of work in my life there and used, used that church in an amazing way. It truly was a faith family of mine. And when I was 16 years old, God spoke to me in, in the early service, the, the, the church that the church had with the fewest amount of people there. And I just felt like God was speaking to me. I don't even know if the, the pastor was speaking about this or not. I, I don't recall, but I do remember what God said and said, I want you to serve me. Now, at the time, I, I thought that would be an excellent thing. It sounded fun. I enjoyed being a Christian. I enjoyed our youth group. I enjoyed the things about God, and, and, and I enjoyed being there. And, I, you know, I loved, I loved being a youth, and I thought, hey, I could be a youth pastor. That would be awesome. It would be a lot of fun. It would be great, and I could help people and youth grow in their relationship with Jesus, and I thought that would be great. Or I thought, Lord, you, you've, you've always had me loving music and I'd been singing in church since I was five years old, and I loved it. And I, saw, I thought, well, God, I could be a, a, a worship pastor. I could help lead music at a church. And so I said, yes, sign me up, God. I want to serve you. That, that sounds like an awesome idea. I want to be a part of that. And I truly heard God speak to me and help, help me understand that that's what he was calling me to. But I had no idea what it would eventually look like. I describe that because it was special to me. But something I didn't understand then, but have come to understand, is that though God, I think, called me to a specific, special, vocational calling, a calling for this to be my job, God calls us all to serve Him. In fact, there was a time where I was wrestling, what... What should I do? What, how, how should I serve God? And my pastor helped me to understand and say, if you can do anything else than ministry, uh, vocational ministry, and feel at peace with it, do that. But unless God will not let you do anything else, don't do ministry. Now, that uh, ministry is hard, and that's what he was trying to convey to me and help me understand but I thought it was a, a wise thing as well. And so as I'm wrestling, God, what do you want me to do? Could I do something else? Do you want me to do anything else? The thing that helped me to realize that I was called to ministry, that God did have something for me to do to serve his body, to serve his bride, was that I understood from Scripture, I began to study and realize each and every one of us is called to ministry. Each and every one of us is to use our gifts for the body of Christ and for the mission of Jesus. Now, that doesn't always mean that you will do that vocationally. I, I felt like God in that moment gave me the option to decide you're going to serve the church one way or the other, but you can decide if you want to do that vocationally or on a volunteer basis. 
I think the scripture helps us to see this idea as well, that we are called to serve the, the uh, body of Christ and serve Jesus as a part of his body. And I want to show you from God's word how this is true. But before we get there, why does this matter? Why should we care? You may be saying, I'd rather just come here. I'd rather just come and be a, come to be a, listen to the service, to be a part of the worship service, but to, to do more or to serve. Why, why should I care about that? Why do I need to do that? Why do I need to do more? You may also be asking, why devote uh, a sermon series, a four-week sermon series? Why devote that time to this? Why now? And like I said, we have been working on an assimilation process for almost three years now. Part of my uh, dissertation, uh, then COVID, obviously kind of changed some of those things, and now we've been working again and are ready to announce that uh, ministry and that process. Not, and then that, but also because this is something you and I, as the body of Christ, are called to. So we need to understand it. We need to see what God's Word is saying about it. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, helps the Ephesus church understand how God has arranged their local church body in such a way to impact the world around them. We've talked about the Ephesus church recently. We talked about them a little further in their history, but it's the same church, the same people. They had grown older. We talked about them in our initial study of Revelation where we looked at the, the churches, the seven churches that Jesus wrote to and spoke to and had a message for and so what we understand, and what I want to remind you, is that this Ephesian church was a port city. It had a great importance. In fact, all the seven churches did because they were literally in the cradle of civilization at the time. The Roman Empire was, 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 was there and was replete, and, and they were right in the middle of that with the greatest opportunity for impact, with frontline opportunity to take the message of Jesus Christ literally to the world from Ephesus, from these other cities that were nearby. And so this church was integral. It was literally the place of civilization, of religion, of monetary uh, wealth and prosperity. It was in this place of, of greatness, and they were living their lives uh, all the, the people there, not the church, but the, the people there were living their lives for themselves and advancing their own ideas and thoughts. And so the, the church of Jesus Christ was situated in such a way to affect the world, not just a community, and yes, a community, but to, to affect the world that was surrounding them, that was literally at their fingertips. God had arranged them in a certain way to impact them. We, we know that from Revelation because it talks about how they are lampstands. These churches are lampstands to shine the light of Jesus in their community. The same thing is true for you and I today. We are the lampstand of Jesus, one of the lampstands of Jesus 
for Lafayette, Georgia, for Northwest Georgia, for this area, for our community. We shine the light of Christ. God has situated us in a specific place for a specific time, for a specific purpose, and he's arranged it so that you are a part of it so that you can use your gifts and the way God has equipped you to help this church to shine its light as brightly as possible. Just like the Ephesian church. And so I want to help us understand three things from this passage that will help us understand three things about our lives and how God has given us something and how he wants us to use it for his glory and for his kingdom. And so would you follow uh, along there? We'll kind of go, we've already read the scripture, so we'll jump in and draw out various passages there. Number one, the, the number one point that we see is that you have, uh, God has given a gift to you. You have a God-given gift. Now, I'm not just talking about a talent or, the, you know, like the ability to sing or something artistic or uh, able to work with your hands. That may be true, but what this is specifically talking about is that if you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, then God has equipped you through his Holy Spirit with something that you bring to the church that only you can do. That God wants to use this gifting, this miraculous gifting, this spiritual gifting for his glory through you. He's worked in your life to give you that. God has given you a special gift. Look at verses 7 and 8 of chapter 4. Now grace was given to each one of us. He's talking to the church there, so we can glean from that that as a church, as a body of believers, we can understand this as well. That grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Christ has given it to us according to what he wanted to do according to how he wanted to arrange it, according to his grace, and according to the gift that he's given. He has given you something special. He's giving you a gift. For it says, verse 8, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. So he's given you a gift. It's not just... Um, like I said, it's not just a talent. This is a heavenly gift. It's one he had to ascend to achieve. One he had to go up to get. It's a heavenly gift. It's a gift that is from the Spirit. And it has a specific purpose. We'll get into that in a moment. So just as I understood at 16 a specific calling and eventually understood that it was a gifting, a gifting that is not of myself. You see, if it, was, if it was music, that's a talent that I have, that I worked on, that I went to school for. I, I was a music major for uh, three or four semesters. That was, that was not a gift, a supernatural gift, a heavenly gift God gave to me. That was my talent. What I came to understand years later is that God wanted me to preach and I was terrified of that. I didn't want to. Did you know one of the greatest fears is public speaking? I think it's like the greatest. I had that one. In fact, 
in college, I knew God would have me in ministry somewhat, so I knew I would have to speak publicly, but I didn't really want to. And so I forced myself to take a public speaking class in college. I forced myself to do it. I didn't have to. I could have gotten around, but I said, no, I've got to do it because I eventually got to get used to this. And I was petrified. I was terrified. And so I thought, well, you know, I can always opt out of this class if I need to. Because you have, you know, the first day is the syllabus day, right? And then you have a couple days where I can figure out what the syllabus says. I can figure out, am I going to like this or not? Or am I going to be able to do this? And I can always back out. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Literally, the first day of class, we wrote a word on a slip of paper, put it in a a red gift bag. I don't know why I remember the color I do. Because it was a point in my memory. And so everyone in class put one of those in. And what we had to do is we'd get called on as the teacher was calling the roll, we would have to pull out one of those slips of paper that someone else wrote one word on, and we'd have to go to the front of the class and give a three-minute speech on it. I'm terrified. I'm like, can I get out of here? But I'm like, no, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. So I went up. They called my name. I go, you want to know what my word was? Makeup. (laughs) Makeup. I was so, I'm, I'm, I know my knees were audibly shaking. I could hear them, I'm sure. And I'm like, what am I going to do? How am I going to talk about makeup? I'm one of four boys. There's no, I don't know what make. I don't know anything about that. How am I going to talk about this? I ended up rambling and ended up, because you just start talking, you don't know what to talk about. And I ended up telling the class that I wore makeup for my profession. <laughs> it was so weird. One guy was like, Dude, what do you do? And I was like, it's for me to know and you to find out. So, I mean, just the most awkward situations possible. So what I understand from that gifting, why don't I tell you that goofy story? Number one, hopefully to make you laugh. Number two, to help you to see, if God was going to call me to preach, and that was then, I still ran from it. I became a children's pastor because I can be goofy and funny in front of kids and teach them. I love that. I became an associate pastor because I was like, God, I'm like almost there. I'm in the background. I don't care, but I'm doing all this stuff, all, a lot of the stuff that a senior pastor would do. And God said again and again, no, I want you to speak. I want you to preach. I want you to study my word. Why? Because God would have to equip me to do that. He would have to gift me to do that if I was going to do it because then he would get all the glory and I would get none because this is not something I could do in and of myself. So God has given you a gift and I'm not suggesting that all of us should go into vocational ministry. Don't hear me saying that. In fact, I think we've done a poor job as the Christian church Assuming that automatically if God has some kind of special calling on your life that you think you have to go into ministry. That may not be the case. God can use you wherever he has planted you. In fact, he wants to. Whether you're a doctor, a nurse, uh, an educator, uh, uh, you drive a garbage truck. I I don't care. Whatever those things are, God can use you in that. He's put you around people to affect and to minister and to... To, to fulfill your calling, whatever he's called you to do. And God has also given you a gift to use for his body. That's us. That is specifically yours. And so we want to help you learn what that gifting is and how God has shaped you in your pew. Now, there's not enough 
for everyone yet, but there are more out, out there and I can print more. But in your pew, there's a copy of a booklet that shows you, it's like, gives you a, a test to take or just to fill out some questions, really not a test. Just fill out a few questions and you can discover what your shape is. Eventually, over the four weeks of this series, we want to get one of those into every person's hand so that you can discover what has God gifted me to do and how could God use that gift for his body in this congregation. And so I encourage you to take one of those, a couple more out on the welcome desk, and we'll have more next week as well. The second thing that we see in this passage is that you have a God-given purpose. So you have a God-given gift, but you have a God-given purpose. God gave you a gift for a reason. You'll see next that God has given this gift that you have and I have to be used. He's given those things to you and I to employ them, not to hoard them or keep them to ourselves, but to use them. Now, it says he's given some to be certain leaders, and he talks about those specific leadership positions. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And that could be some, that could be some of you. You may have the gift of uh, apostleship or uh, prophet, teacher. You may have those gifts. I'm not certainly belittling any of those or lifting those to some kind of level that in some way that says only someone like me in vocational ministry could have those gifts. That's not the case. But it does tell us that those leaders who have those gifts have a specific job for everyone else. And it says that he gives some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers so that we can equip the saints for the ministry, for the work of ministry. So the job is not just to focus on apostle, prophet, uh, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. The job is for us to, to realize that if those people are in our congregation, then our job is to equip everyone to find and discover their gift and their ministry. So what does he say there? And I'm, I'm thankful that it's up on the screen. It says there's three things that we need to think about inside of that. What is the purpose? The purpose is for us to use our gifts for ministry. Number one, for ministry. To serve the body, to serve ministry, to serve the mission. So everyone that has a gift that needs to be employed that you need to use for the purpose of ministry. But it also helps us to see what that ministry looks like. Number two, to build up. The primary reason you and I are supposed to use what God has given us is not for ourselves or our advancement. The gift God gives us is meant to use to build up this body, to build one another up, to build up the church, to help it to grow, to help us to grow together. And then the third thing I want to say is that there's a goal. So there's a purpose, the ministry, and to build one another up. But the goal of those things is unity and maturity. Unity and maturity. Look what it says in verse 13. Until we all reach the unity in the faith 
and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's faithfulness, by his fullness. Last week, we looked at two churches. We looked at two examples of faithfulness, one, in the church of Philadelphia. Number two, we looked at the church of Laodicea that was, 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 um, was uneffective in their ministry. If there is no unity in the body, and if we're not working towards maturing each and every one of us, then you and I will be like lukewarm water, ineffective for its purposes. We want to use our gifts, we want to use what God has given us, and we want to fulfill a purpose so that we can be unified in helping each other grow to maturity. Now that's a pretty daunting task, isn't it? That's a whole lot more than, hey, I think I'm going to go to church today. I hope it's an encouraging message. I hope that the Lord speaks to my heart, which those are important things. But this goes beyond that. Did you wake up for church this morning, getting ready, putting on your Sunday best, thinking, I wonder what God wants to use me for today? And I hope that you did. And if you did, that's great. But I think a lot of times we get caught in the trappings of our life and we, realize, we don't realize there's a job being a part. Uh, it's not just going to church that matters. And you've heard this. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. That's why we have tried to structure over the, my four years, almost four years being here as your pastor, try to structure seven ministry teams. Seven ministry teams. Outreach, first impressions, worship, assimilation, discipleship, next gen, and care. Our deacons, we have 21 deacons, so uh, three deacons serve on each of those teams. And our goal is to help, not just for those deacons to do the ministry, but to discover the people of our congregation who have giftings that will help us to accomplish that ministry of outreach, first impressions, so on and so forth. We are structuring this so that we can discover our gifts and employ them and use them for the mission of Jesus Christ. So that we do wake up on Sunday mornings and say, what job do I have? What has God given me? What purpose do I have? To go to church, but not just to build myself up, but to build others up and to be unified and to find maturity. And that's what God has called us to do. A church moving toward these things, I think, is a healthy church, like the church mentioned in Philadelphia. The third thing that we see is that we have a God-given mission. We don't want to be tossed around. That's what it says here. Do all these things so that you won't be tossed around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, verse 14 with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. You see, every part, every sinew and ligament that God has placed into the church, uh, into our body is meant to be used 
to, to, for, to promote growth, to promote growing in him, to promote helping others to come into faith and to grow in him and to help us to move forward with what God has called us to do. We don't want to be tossed around by the teaching of the world. We want to be solid, firm, ready for the task of showing love to one another first and then showing love outwardly. Verse 16, it says, He fits us and knits us together to serve His purposes. I see in this passage our mission. Our mission here is to be a family of Christ followers who love, live, and lead. Look at verse 16. I think you see this there. From Him the whole body fitted and knit together. So that's God has placed us together by every supporting ligament. Promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love. So we build each other up. That's live. That he, um, so that from him, the whole body fitted and knit together, we worship our God. It says, verse 15, so that we can grow in every way into truth and love. Let us grow in every way into him who is the head. That's our love, to love God and to worship God. Verse 16, that everyone builds itself up, the body builds itself up, it's to lead, live. And to lead is that every, um, every single ligament promotes the growth of the body by the proper working of each individual part, that we would serve and lead each and every one of us. So, there are Seven, several tangible steps that you and I can take. Several tangible things that you and I can do. Number one, if, if you're not a member of the body of Christ, and what I mean by that is not necessarily a member here, but if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and He's made you a part of His body, trust Him today. Call on him today. I pray that God, through his word, would show us this amazing thing that he's called the local church. And my prayer is that he would prick your heart and help you to see your need to be a part of something bigger than you. So trust Jesus today, number one. Number two, are you a Christian? But maybe you're not serving to build up the body by using your gifts. You don't have to figure all that out today, but you can begin moving in that direction. We've given you the resource there. I encourage you to do that. Use the resources that we have available. And then I would say the third thing, tangible thing you could do, if you're not a part of this body yet and you'd like to be or you'd like to learn more, maybe you're not even, not even trusted Christ yet, but you'd like to learn more, we have a class beginning March 6th. It's a three-week class. It takes place at 10 o'clock uh, in the music room and it's called Belong and it's all about how you can learn more about what the body of Christ is and how you could be a part. Now, I want to take a transition here. It makes sense in my mind, but it might be a little bit of a quick transition. We have an opportunity today to display being a part of the body of Christ. That's... Uh, Lord's Supper, communion. I want to read that verse to you again. Verse 15, beginning of verse 15. 
But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. I hope you know that as your pastor, as the pastor of this church, I am not the leader. This is Jesus' church. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just a steward of what he's called me to do. Jesus, this is his church. And he is the head of the body. And we are the members of his body, the, the hands, the feet, the ligaments, as scripture has described. But this is his church. This is his mission. And he died for it. He died for you. He was beaten and bruised so that you could enter in. Jesus gave himself and died so that you could be a member of his body. So that the spirit could give you a gift to use for his body and use for his mission. And so we have a moment now to recall that, to remember that, to thank him for that, to acknowledge that, and to understand what he's done and how he loved us and what he's calling us to do. So what I want to encourage you to do, our deacons are going to come in just a moment and sit on the front row. And actually, deacons, if, you would, if you're serving today, if you go ahead and come on down as I prepare us. This is a serious moment. The scripture says we should not take this, we should not do this lightly. So take a moment of introspection and say, God, help me to understand what you've done, what you've called me to do, and how I can live in that and walk in that. Take just a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes as, as we prepare to ask God to help search your heart as Psalm 139 says, search me and know me, God. See if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. Ask Jesus to lead you right now. Just a moment, right where you are. Lord, guide me. Help me to see what's in my heart and lead me in that. to us the things that are in us that don't need to be in us and help us God to remove them by your grace Lord forgive us help us to turn away from those things and turn to you and in a moment as we picture and remind ourselves of the body of Christ that was broken for us and as we remind ourselves of your blood that was spilled for us God that we would recollect and remember what you did and that God we would be so thankful and that we would align our lives to be what you've called us to be to do what you've called us to do to use our gifts Lord to serve you as our head to serve your body as you've called us to do to lift us up to unity and maturity it's in Jesus name we pray amen